starting. Okay, um, welcome to the red. And this in many ways is the actual starting ground for inner dance, whether it be through our online community, the gathering that we're having for the next month, the next year. This is not really limited by set times. This is really just the opening. So um, what's the starting ground? Like, where do we begin considering this is a space where there are no beginnings or endings? A lot of it is gonna have to be around the body. There's something about the body. There's something about the movement of the body. And so to have a conversation about this in a fun and focused and deep way is such a blessing indeed. Inner dance opens up something mysterious about the body. And so the name, however strange for some, is really appropriate. Something about the movement and something about the inner from where the movement is happening, the inner dance, just kind of named itself. And it kind of honors something about our being here as embodied creatures. Um, in a way, inner dance gives permission to free up the body. But in a way, inner dance also creates um, an ontology an expensive word that talks about an entity. Like there's something weird and strange and deep about the body that wants to become known and wants to be seen and heard. So um, to kind of hold space for this thing that we share, this really amazing and strange and unknowable thing is to give ontological existence to the inner dance. And our main intention here is to get to know this being. If inner dance was alive, how do we come to know it? Um, so an ontological existence is important. And in fact, it's quite hard to arrive at this space. In the beginning, I myself have had to introduce this mystery through mystery because there was very little context that this thing can happen, that this thing exists in and of itself that such an event could be possible without drugs, without um, uh, kind of like a set of instructions. <laughs> this is kind of amazing about this, that it just seems to happen when you least expect it. And the more you want it to happen, the less it does. So to actually arrive at a moment when there's so much context around it from a global field that people know that it is. Now it has a name and versions of names. And um, really what's important is that it just is. And from the ontological then, we can start the journey into what's called the epistemological. It's to come into a system of understanding, like what is a system of knowledge that can stem from what, what is. And it's really difficult to actually come into that system of understanding if, 
it didn't exist. It almost needs to deserve its own containment, you know, its own set of disciplines, its own set of frameworks, its own set of study processes, and an interpretive community to go into dialogue and a space of exploration around what it is. So I would say even in my own journeys, in my own explorations, it's taken a while to arrive at beautiful, appropriate systems that could honor this energy that's just really intense. It's spread across. Um, there's been a lot of feedback and to be able to contain so much is really difficult. So one of our intentions is to be able to converse about something that lives outside of conversations, to bring into language what in fact breaks our language processes um, itself. So now, yeah, we can, we can gently go into it. Like what is inner dance to begin with? And yet how does inner dance concern itself with deep questions um, where inner dance is merely the opening? Like what is time? What is space? What is mind? What is the human? What is the world? What is the universe? And so on and so forth. Um, these things are conversations that happen in the shared circles because we're experiencing it. We're bringing ontology to mystery itself. We're creating a space where no one knows what might happen. There's no instructions. And maybe that's partly why it happens because no one's telling you what to do. No one's telling you who to be, what you have to react to, what to say. And in the absence of containers, um, then anything will definitely happen. Right now, I'm coming into one major insight that could serve as an opening. A very good friend of mine was doing an interview and recording it on tape. And she had one question. I found that question really fascinating. She said, um, if you had a superpower, pie, what would it be? And I didn't think about the answer. It was so simple for me. I would have the power to slow down time. I'm naturally a speedy person. So for me to say I would have the power, the superpower to slow down time, the way I explained it was that when you have this superpower, you would be able to simply watch the unfoldment of all of it in a space of observation, of love, of you know, lightness, and, and you, you would enjoy all of it. Inner dance is a kind of time perception. It's a time machine where we're able to speed something up that also slows something down. And if we were going to talk about the body, which is just intensely infinite, this is where inner dance bears ontology. There's something about the cessation of the time train that opens up in the process. Like what is it about the noise that brings about the quiet? What is it about the hectic movement that brings about stillness is the irony whereby a lot of people 
try to journey into the quiet only to find out there's a lot of noise in the quiet. There's a lot of movement in the stillness. Um, and so what is it about chaos that brings about a sense of order? What is it about the feminine that also holds an aspect of the masculine somehow? A lot of these need to come into redefinitions and the body kind of holds these conversations in such a big way. We forgot something about the body and now we're remembering not just some things about the body, but almost everything about it. Now, I don't know how much you've looked into the website, but that the basic confines of the inner dance has to do with a dance between the dualities. There's a two-ness within us at all times, the fast and the slow, the up and the down, the masculine, the feminine, the day and the night, the east, the west, north, the south, that's always turning into each other and you can't get more basic than the understanding that we are light, that light in the world of physics, if you wanna get down to it, is an electromagnetic wave and that uh, we're simply magnetism and, and electricity turning into each other whatever it represents to you in the cosmological physics, everything is based in the magnetic and the electrical force. You can experiment this in the music that um, there is something about the mind and the spirit that's a double helix turning into each other. Magnetism is the representation of that which binds the gravitational aspect of the world that magnetizes things, you know, it, it makes things stick to each other. It binds, it constricts, it um, makes things tight. And then there's the expansive power of electricity. Um, that which brings about um, features of space, I guess, whereby time brings about features, uh, you know, like magnetism br brings about features of electricity. Um, you, you can sense this. Um, the more we go into eternity, which is something to do with time, the more you also access the infinite, which has to do with space. You can unravel or expand in different ways. So take, for example, the idea of death or sleep where time seems to expand. But we want to grasp that in a real way, in, in a way that we could understand. And the part of the universe that is the most objective around that relationship is the black hole. The black hole is the part of the universe where there's so much magnetism, there's so much gravitation that time is infinite. You know, like when you watch some of these movies or read these books that fictionalize what it might be like to go into the black hole. To compare like a minute on Earth, you might live a thousand years to a million years in the black hole. Uh, it's like that aspect of the life review where a second um, could allow you to see an entire life, which kind of happens a lot in inner dance. People are always sharing. I looked at my entire existence in an hour. I looked at the existence of the universe in an hour. So you're able to open up magnetism in a certain way, but you're able to do it 
through electricity. So they're not polar in a way, it's that helix, that electromagnetic wave that's turning into each other that belongs in inner dance. Now, um, what's amazing is this could be tracked either in a conceptual way like I just did, but there's something in the body that also hosts this in very definitive terms. So if you have had time to review some of the videos and some of the write-ups that's in the red section of Life 1A, um, then we, we could look at the sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous systems, the aspect of the brain that either um, tightens the mind, creates judgments, likes to analyze and focus, likes to put attentions on particular things one at a time. That's the fight or flight. Um, what we normally associate with fear or excitement. When our heart beats faster, um, we start to um, kind of limit the things that we can see when things slow down. And the parasympathetic nervous system is the opposite. It's an aspect of our body that opens things up, that expands things. And, and you can think of it as a feature of the body, but one way of looking at it is that there's a vibration inside you that's super slow, super relaxed and super expansive, that you actually have this ally, this vibratory ally, a friend, a teammate, that uh, no matter what is happening, it could be the most hectic, it could be the weirdest, it could be the most dangerous, but there's this thing inside you or above you that's just meditating upon it all, just looking at all of it like it had this superpower that just slows down time. So the way electricity and magnetism works is um, th there's like an inversion of inner dance. There's a, there's a reversal of a time-space continuum that's happening in the world. I don't know where you're at right now, but if you're in a part of the world that's always looking at the clock, always looking at the watch, and um, is having to suffer the insufficiency of time, then that means that magnetism dominates electricity. It means that the world kind of became really real and the inner world is not as dominant. What inner dance does is it reverses this, the electromagnetic wave which allows electricity to rise over the magnetic. Um, physics themselves have noticed that there's something in the magnetic fields of the earth that have been decreasing over the last decade or two. And there's something in the electricity that's rising. If the electricity is what we might call the Kundalini, the divine feminine, and if the masculine is the magnetism, if magnetism is that which binds culture, politics, money, you know, relationships, uh, the body itself, if there's something in the earth itself that's reducing magnetism, then of course, what, what is it that happens um, with that? It means that change is most likely when the thing that binds things kind of lessens. And then the, the thing that spreads things apart, that frees things up, starts to increase. So what we're feeling in the earth is what we're also experiencing in the body somehow. And when you begin to understand the implications of 
this, the ontology and the epistemology and the phenomenology within this understanding of the reversal of time, that uh, it's not the inner dance per se, the inner dance is just a mirror, a reflexivity, a resonant board that's making visible or audible what's already at work on the planet, which we're kind of resisting. Um, one thing that takes place in the black hole is that there's a reversal of what's called causation. In the human mind, this is definable as determinism, where um, when you do something, then you, then you perceive a specific effect, like something will happen if a certain action uh, is conducted. There's always like a reaction in the external environment after an activity is performed. Well, in the time reversal that takes place in the black hole, um, there's something called retrocausality where the effects actually precede the cause. You know, it's, it's like the determinations, the causations kind of go loopy where we kind of know ahead things in advance before we even thought about it. We kind of know about it and then we start to trust it and it looks kind of crazy. It looks syn synchronistic where there are coincidences, there are connections that weren't so visible before. It means that there's a transformation happening in the collective consciousness that's reversing time perception in a way. And inner dance provides kind of metric, a meter, you know, like a thermometer or barometer that allows us to perceive what's already happening. So rather than perceiving inner dance as a causality or as a workshop that creates a transformation, see it actually more as an effect of something that is caused by the universe um, unraveling in and within itself in a way. And in your body, that transition also needs to happen in your nervous system, in your entire biological system. Uh, which is hardwired by the geological and so on and so forth. Now, one particular insight I feel you could hold in relevance to uh, how can this apply to you? Um, there's a lot of languaging around whether it be the spiritual, the psychological, that is very human in a way. And there's limitations in a lot of those definitions. Take fear, for example. Now, when you hear the word fear, you can't escape how we have psychologically defined fear. Um, there's too much connotations. It's sticky. It, it just feels um, like we can only relate to it so much. So in a way, we may even have to trust fear because in the inner dance, fear um, becomes something else altogether. It becomes something people call energy it becomes power, it becomes the feminine movement and so on and so forth. So there's something in the biological that we're learning actually only recently that uh, we're only really understanding the body now is what I would say, which is what science would say now. We're only seeming to reach consensus on these interesting things like what is the dance? What, what moves us? What is the dream? What is, what is consciousness? Whereas a lot of our definitions before were either rigid science or religious, consciousness seems to be both scientific and religious, spiritual at the same time. So um, 
the notes that are shared in inner dance kind of redefines fear by um, taking out a little bit of the emotional charge um, around fear. Fear actually isn't something we should be afraid about. One definition of inner dance is to be afraid without being scared. And in the authentic be being in that, there's courage, you know? It's, not, it's like the more you say, I'm not gonna be afraid, you're gonna hide fear. But what about building a relationship with fear? Now, fear as an entity is old. It's a conditioned response to danger and threats that have been programmed in what we call the body that palpitates the heart, that sends out these neurotransmitters to um, face the dangers of a really complicated world. But it feels like we're, we've stabilized humanity and our life on the planet somehow that we can access the reflexive um, understandings of the world, like who we are and so on and so forth. So um, we redefine fear as we redefine everything else. And inner dance kind of plays a part in doing that um, through the experience, but also through the, um, the thinking about it. There's a new way of thinking about it. And the interest kind of enlarges the more you experience it um, because we're kind of busy and we're involved with the world. There's an opening in the spiritual experience that um, I, I, even as you're experiencing it, it means that you're changing and you can never go back. What you're seeing in the process and what you're experiencing in the process is the very change that is not just a conceptual thing. It's a biological transformation, not just a conceptual or psychological change. And, and, and so the more you get wired into this new system, of course you would understand this new system because you're becoming it. So the art form of energy school or the language that happens within the nonverbal aspects of inner dance is very appropriate to um, allow for a mental representation of what's happening in the energetic and the physical both. Um, and so we need to take great care in providing these spaces where something inside you is spoken to, is allowed, you know, is brought into a careful understanding, hoping that you are provided co communal support to also bring such a vast, such a deep um, representation of um, change to the world around you, you know, to, 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 to create authentic awakening communities require a certain languaging, a certain emergent intelligence that you might arrive at with the experiencing of this. And my own hope is that because I've seen, I would say too much of this again and 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 again. Um, I've taken great pains to take some measure of responsibility of going into quiet spaces in my own to keep rehashing this. Am I able to um, share this in a way that the feedback that we give has come from the body itself from around the world it's been given the permission and the, the allowance the freedom to be what it is 
So we shared some playlists, we shared some videos, some texts, but beyond that, even before we came together, you've been experiencing a lot. <laughs> so given this chance to speak to the red, I'm going to just invite you, um, some of you, all of you to check in with your own red and um, yeah. Hi everyone. <laughs> um, this is Rebecca. I'll just um, jump in. I was, I missed a little bit towards the end, um, but I really love the conversation about um, electricity and magnetism. I'd been wondering about that relationship and um, it's very cool to hear it explained in that way. Um, I would just share a little bit about the um, time. I also love <laughs> um, and the explanation about slowing down time because that was something that um, when I met Pai in Bali and we did inner dance there, um, he said those exact, basically those exact words. Um, in a dance of slowing down time. And I've always kind of um, kept thinking about that. What what does that mean? Because time for me, uh, I think about it a fair bit and how it can be changed and what does that actually mean in time perceptions and the realities of time. I mean, how can time change or not exist uh, when it clearly doesn't and does in, in so many ways. Um, but when we talk about time perceptions, then it almost opens up universes because we're not talking about this thing that exists in our world anymore. We're talking about how we see what we believe exists in our world. And um, so I really love the way that you explained that, that it's just about a seeing really slowing down to receive the beauty of everything. Um, and what's funny is that in the IDS, IDS one, we, I don't know, I'm not sure if it happened here, but we were told to ask questions. And those are like really some of the questions that I've asked. So this takes me to the, where we're kind of jumping around in time which I think Pai was speaking about just before, where we can have conversations at before they're had and we can we can feel into those conversations before we actually like before they're actually had in our um, outside realities. So they're already we've already in our inner reality, we've already traveled to the time where the conversation is taking place. And then we bring that back to the time that we're in on the outside <laughs> um, and then that timeline continues, continues until it gets to that point that we'd already travelled to. Um, that's been my experience with so many conversations and uh, the questions. Um, it's just phenomenal how... The questions are answered and sometimes it's instantaneous and sometimes it's at a time beyond but 
it's already happened. Um, it's already probably been asked <laughs> as well as already been answered. And I don't know if anyone else experiences these kinds of things, but it's great to talk about it if we do. Um, because this is time travel and we don't have to think about it as like jumping in a machine and, um, you know, <laughs> decomposing ourselves and recomposing ourselves and like trying to hide from ourselves and things like that, like in um, 80s movies. Um, but it's more an inner uh, travel. And so I would encourage people to ask questions as well because they will be answered uh, and just seeing if anybody else has experiences similar to this. Thank you for listening. Hi, this is Natalia. So I want to share my experience. Um, I remember when we did the session together, Pai, you told me like, oh, I slowed your time. And I was like, what is this? And then I remember in the Philippines, I went on that other island and I remember I was just sitting and watching the horizon and then I was like, oh, I'm sure one hour passed. And I looked at my watch and it was not even two minutes. And I really like, it was so strange, this feeling, everything was just so slow like every information i could see so much more details and it seemed to be hours of observation but it was only two minutes in the in the time of the watch but in the other space time it was hours and hours and it was super interesting when i came back to switzerland after living in maya for a few months I was driving my car and I remember I was just driving so slow because everything was too fast here. I was driving, I don't know, half of the speed of the other cars and I could not listen to music. It was just too fast. Everything was too much, too much information. So it was amazing how I had to adapt back to Switzerland, like to adapt to local time and local speed of time. And I realize also now because I'm, I'm quite very busy what I, with whatever happens. And I try always to slow down time. I, I know I, 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 when I came back from the Philippines, I was able to do that. Like, I was like, oh, I have so much to do. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, just slow down time. And it really worked. It really worked. Now I'm not sure I'm still able to do that, but it was amazing to be able to just slow down the time. You're taking your car and you're like, I have to be there in 20 minutes. Oh, but it takes half an hour drive. And you're like, no, easy. Just slow down time and speed yourself up. And it was working. So it was amazing to see how much you can actually um, uh, modify the time, your time with the external time to be able to to just swap and and yeah there is something about it you can fasten your up slow up outside and and reverse I was able to do both 
um, I just wanted to share that. So if you want to try, it's really an amazing experience. Because it was telling that to others and they were like, oh, I don't understand what you say. But for me, it was so obvious. It was just, it was just how it is. So, yeah, just wanted to share that on time. Thank you. Hello, my, my name is Benoit. And uh, I'm very new to this uh, inner dance uh, Inner dance uh, process, um, but I'm quite very interested in that uh, because I somehow feel uh, I don't know attracted by it. So I, I kind of follow what's happening. But this is how I live my life these days. So it's uh, I think it's a good good start. So about time, yeah, I, I had this, um, this book one day in, in my hands. Uh, it was written by, uh, you know, the, the Druids, the, the guys from the Celtic uh, civilization. And he, he basically was um, talking about it like, you know, time is not really something that um, exists uh, outside of our perception of it. Uh, he explained it uh, like uh, time basically is when when we take the movement and we scatter it into space. So what's really in his uh, point of view and whatever culture he had, uh, time is doesn't exist. Only movement exists. So it's kind of um, funny because. You know, if you, everything kind of is happening at the same time, we, we are not living in a time uh, uh, scale. We don't, we don't advance in time. We just uh, are in the movement, in a movement. We are the movement somehow. And um, I don't know, it, it kind of, um, when, when we talk about, this um, inversion of time, this, this future, these um, effects coming before the causes. And uh, it's, it's very funny because uh, somehow we, we can notice it in our lives. Sometimes we, we have answers before the questions. We have uh, good things happening before we did anything for it. Uh, it's really, really weird. Um, yeah, uh, what I what I what I wanted to share is uh, yeah, it uh, resonates deeply, and uh, well, that's it. Uh, so it's so good to listen to you, Benoit. Welcome to the space. Thank you very much to all of you for welcoming me. Hi everyone, it's Natalie. Great to be with you all today um thanks for all your messages on um on the whatsapp i've really been um learning from them and enjoying them thanks pi for this week and by the way actually pi i'm not sure if i heard correctly on one of your recordings but you mentioned that you went to see a friend who was ill and that maybe your son 
might be also if I've got that correct and if that's last week this week then I I hope everyone's okay with you with your family etc um so I've just got some questions really um or some comments I have to say just quickly it's really weird what's going on from for for me right now listening to you guys because um as you could probably tell, I'm in, my, I'm in my bedroom, but outside of the house here where I'm staying, uh, I grew up here and in England in this house, and there's a massive oak tree that's gorgeous. It's absolutely beautiful. Um, and I, I grew up with it, and uh, I found out a few weeks ago that the, the new neighbours are going to chop it down. And uh, so I, I've been kind of praying meditating that this tree will not be chopped down if it's if it's okay for it to remain if it's if it's meant to be chopped down then so be it but if it's okay for it to stay then let it stay and they're starting to chop chop it down but I can't tell if they're just taking branches off and thinning it out or taking the whole thing down so it's a bit intense at the moment outside <laughs> let's hope it stays up um I, I listened to the Eye of the Storm and, um, you know, I had some insights and stuff, but the main thing I found is that since then I've been very high energy, but also quite cantankerous energy. Um, and I'm not sure how to dis dispel that sort of edgy energy that has come since then, but I think it was before the music as well. But if anyone can sort of give some advice on that I'd really appreciate. Um, the other thing I'd like to say is we're talking about electromagnetism and um, something that I'd really like, to, um, I feel like I'm just learning and touching on, but other people here will probably be way beyond me on, on this, on thoughts around this, but we're talking globally now about renewable energy and there's a lot of issues around new technologies with even just building a solar panel requires uh, crazy amounts of materials and some of them are you know, toxic um, and some of them are in areas where there's potentially a lot of conflict, et cetera. So there's a lot of issues about developing renewable energy. And, and yet we're talking about electricity in the body here and <laughs> I'm just wondering if, um, like in a lot of writings on renewable energy, they talk about dimensions of energy um, and how we can increase our security in energy through different approaching different dimensions, like sustainability or availability, et cetera, et cetera. And I've always really been intrigued by is it ever going to be possible for us just to generate our own energy personally? So I thought maybe it would be sort of more scientific, like through what they call thermocells, etc. You know, things that we've got on our body that we can use our kinetic or heat energy to boil up our kettle to make a cup of tea or something. But but maybe it's maybe it's beyond that. Maybe we don't even need that. Maybe it's what Pi talks about. You know, in your book, Pi, 
if we don't need so much food we don't you know if we eat raw food etc and um i think you mentioned don't you like about the energy the sun's energy um and and then the electricity within our bodies like is there going to be a time where we can actually generate our own electricity to actually do so we don't need normal electricity you know um Yeah, and I just wondered, you know, because Pi mentions research programs on this on different things. And I'm just wondering if there's anything sort of in that area that might, you know, anybody sort of has thought about, knows more stuff, could share. Um, yeah, I think that's that's my thing for now. Thank you. Thank you, Natalia. Not Natalie. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, let me speak to this because it's a galoom for the set of insights and questions. There, it's not a singular thing. Um, as you all know, I've been into these massively, um, being a part of the eco-village kingdom, the permaculture realms, um, raw food, you know, uh, gentle birthing. Almost anything you can think about that leads to sustainability, um, it it revolves around inner dance in different ways. Uh, so I think you're you're hitting something in the nail where red is about grounding and the ability to sustain ourselves on Earth lightly and gently. It's almost painful to look at it because we're in transition; we're not there. So definitely the eye of the storm would create some <laughs> transitions, like some movements inside you. I speak about the parasympathetic nervous system as a vibration. Uh, an electricity expansion in the body that could be translated in spiritual terms as a mode of detachment. The, the witnesser, the observer is what we like to call it. And so I, I, I'm having to remember how I myself had to go back to the world as something very inhuman almost. You know, I was like a monkey who had a hard time with language, with, 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 with all things world because I was so away from it physically and figuratively for so long. It, it is so hard. You know, one of the hardest experiences I had is to apply for a driver's license it's almost like re, being reinserted as an energy back into the matrix with an identity, an ID card, you know. Um, it was hard. It was really hard. Um, but there was something really powerful in going back down to have vibrated so much, so high, to humanize myself meant that there would be uh, an inversion of time and space and electricity and magnetism inside me. From the language of Kundalini, it would be like, let's say your, your energy goes high in, an, in a super fast way. And it would be troublesome because you kind of need to go back down. So there's this kind of wave where you, you, you transcend the, the heights of your limits. Your boundaries kind of get broken and you go beyond what you're used to. But you need to go back down, but you don't go back down in the same level. It would be somewhere midway 
between what used to be low and high, and that would be your new low, and then you go higher again. So it is quite difficult for me to get exposed to language, money, and human relationships because I had to get used to it. Um, but a lot of it had to do with food. I had to learn to eat food again so that I could understand people. I didn't want to feel alienated. And I knew that somehow I'd go back to this kind of diet, this Pitharian or raw food or coconut-based diet after a while again. So it's almost like I didn't want to go into an awakening process alone. I wanted to understand it as a community process. Like, What would it be like for all of us to raise the vibrations together? So in this work around intentional communities, renewable energies, organic lifestyles, um, in my own communion with the leaders of the permaculture and intentional community movements, they have something really objective by way of study or research that all these people who would take up these courses on how to live light, the actual success rate is really low. People who have started eco-villages, it, you'd be lucky if you had a 10% chance of succeeding. And based on the people who take these courses, maybe 10% actually do anything to begin with. So success rate is like almost just 1%. <laughs> uh, same goes with the permaculture design courses around the world. Um, people are interested, but interest isn't ready. And, and it's something to do with the body, like how we're wired that resists change and resists nature in a way. So a lot of the transformation actually needs to happen inwards. So bringing up this thing about the oak tree, <laughs> the parasympathetic nervous system in the inhuman aspect of ourselves, it's living inside a story and needs to kind of step back. You can't help it. The, the tree the you know all these lockdowns all these changes that are happening in the world we, we kind of are being asked to have one arm tied behind our backs as we kind of just watch the transitions and some of them have to be painful and it's inside and it's outside um so there's a kind of death almost that like a death vibration the parasympathetic nervous system is the most relaxed it's, it's the delta frequency in the music, the N3 stage in the sleep stages that creates the muscular paralysis that allows for dream time, that allows for REM state. Um, the, I, I said it in one of the former Zoom calls, but Indian tradition says it best. Um, the energy of Shiva who has to surrender his masculinity needs to go into the shavasana or the corpse pose and thus is called shava and in his relaxing into a pure surrender the energy of the feminine can be inserted through him as what is either shakti or kali energy and upon so doing the body which is now just a channel becomes danced. So Shiva in a way is actually the feminine using the channel or the container of the masculine to go into movement until the imbalance is once again set in when the masculine becomes dominant and now needs to be subverted by the Kali energy that would need to kill it. So that it would go back into the uh, utmost relaxed, uh, detached, witnessing process um 
So, so this is what we're lacking. And my advice to you, if you're now feeling your boat being rocked by what's outside and inside through the playlist that you um, expose yourself to, which is bringing some insights, but also some rewiring process. Um, we're, we're like a soup almost, or like a, a fancy cocktail drink that kind of needs certain ingredients and the energetic literacy that we're um, arriving at either through our awareness of it through sound, sound being just a mirror, but uh, it's the vibrations. It's like we're, we're needing more delta, more theta, more alpha, more beta, more gamma. But in, a, in, a, in the inner dance, there's a mysterious brain wave that has been there. It's only recently discovered. It's called Mu. MU, it's that um, Greek letter. That's the, the 12th Greek letter. It, the Mu wave is actually a combination of all the waves. It contains some of Delta, some of Gamma, some of Beta, some of Alpha. So if you think about it, um, a, an awakening model that comes from this means equilibrium with the fast and slow and everything in between. So if you do look at the chief um, study in the notes within IDES or energy school, the understanding of the brain has evolved from the understanding of the split brain model where we have the left and right hemisphere, the masculine and feminine. And then we have this model of the triune brain, which is the reptilian, the emotional and the cognitive brain. But recently, we've been getting a notion that there's actually four brain quadrants. And we can talk later about that because it takes up some space. I think that might be nice in the indigo. But the four brain model basically looks at the, the, up, the, the, the upper and the downer, the, the left and the right being the masculine and feminine upon which there's a masculine and feminine within the masculine and the feminine. So the representations in the brain around that is that we have a, a brain that goes inwards and a brain that goes outwards. There's also a brain that um, goes leftwards, which is sequential thinking. And then there's a brain that goes um, spatial, which is nonlinear. It's non-sequential. It's si simultaneous. What's happening in the inner dance is that there's also an outer dance. There's also an inner stillness and an outer stillness that need to co-implicate each other. That's why the inner dance is really just one aspect of something much larger. And people have gone crazy. People have had enlightenment experiences, I think, again and again and again. There's uh, an arrival at a state where you don't know the difference between left and right and north and south where inner stillness is also outer stillness and inner dance is also the outer dance. And people who have been conducting playlists or experiencing facilitation work, they kind of morph. Like the more you go into one aspect or feature, the more you're gonna be um, launched into another where we can trust a kind of self-correcting mechanism in the energy and in consciousness itself. So I think if we get too ingrained in the technologies, we, we're also going to be frustrated into understanding what's the inner blueprint that allows these outer technologies to work. 
and coming from my experience of living in such a simple way and then to have access true wealth through that um i i think this is going to be the calling because there's enough technology out there it's just that we're not wanting it because there's a there's this thing called the resistance to change which might as well be called the addiction process in the brain it's called the dopaminergic cycle which uh it's the satisfaction drug it's it's dopamine it's serotonin it's adrenaline that has programmed us for such a long period of time uh so when i talk about redefining fear from a psychological perspective there's kind of a loop when you try to just work on your fear from a human understanding what the biological and neurological insight brings us is that fear is a lot older than just from the point of view of the one human it 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 goes beyond the species level so that in the language of energy it's actually just magnetism which allows any object or concept to contract and stay within a certain formation like a like you know like a notebook stays a notebook a cell phone stays a notebook because it's something that binds something so it doesn't change form it it stays in place but um there's something almost strangely telekinetic about the inner dance where the body starts to become light and it starts to move by itself almost like it is becoming air or electricity um going outside the laws of physics that's bound by gravity um it's kind of hard to 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 make people do some of the things that their bodies do it's it's intense it, it's it's more than amazing you know they can't recreate that logically or uh by their will like in a way so what's what what is allowing that to happen the ironic thing that's allowing that to happen is the absolute surrender called the delta state it's the 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 total slowing down that actually allows the fastness like one weird question that confound confounds people is that is the masculine fast or is it slow is the is the feminine faster is the feminine slow well obviously it's going to depend on what you're looking at and from where you're looking at but from the indian tradition of understanding shava and shiva and shakti it's almost the human body is the masculine container which uh in the rem stages of dream the sleep stages that allows us to go into the dream state the the body needs to slow down in the entry sleep stage before dream happens you know like the letting go of the tensions the the velocities the speed that we acquired because of the people whom we were with and everyone has a speed all the objects all the spaces they all have speeds and when we expose ourselves to their speed we kind of become their speed So what happens in sleep is that we need to let go of some of that and that's the muscular paralysis and three stage that facilitators kind of need to incorporate in their playlist before uh ripping apart of time and space happens in what's called the rem state when there's a lot of these vibrations now intermixing with each other um So yeah like I love your sharing because we're almost having to feel you not being able to control this like powerless to to watch it 
and, and you're just wording it, you, you can do something about it, but you, you, you can't. It's, it's outside of you. Just like um, you can't control a traffic accident, you can't control what presidents of states kind of decide. It seems like you have control over yourself, but in a way, it's actually time and space in a much larger view. So to look at the parasympathetic nervous system as a vibration, it's very enabling actually to really be able to slow down and just watch things. And that consciousness brings gifts. Um, I think some people were trying to word that, that when you are able to slow something down, there's something about the brain and the sympathetic nervous system that's trying to always go ahead of time. You know, when we caffeinate ourselves or when we get exposed to certain velocities in the environment, we're, we're kind of jumping. It could be jumping to conclusions or I think we're also interested in emotions and judgment that when people kind of lose their slowness, then they start to think in a hardwired way, in a reactive way where the world became real. But in effect, the, the oak tree is not there. It's a, it's a manifestation or a representation of an oak tree that's inside of us. So the time inversion, time-space inversion thing that I'm speaking about is a way to access a communion with causality unto itself, like determinism, meaning what is it that determines the world? This is the oldest philosophical question there is. Like, who created all of this? How are we creating any and all of it? Like, who determines reality? Is it Donald Trump? Is it the WHO? Is it the EU? <laughs> is it Mickey Mouse? You know, um, it's a vibration. It's actually a vibration. So the this good news, however intense, that you can control causation by accessing a consciousness inside you it doesn't need to stay conceptual when we understand it's also just a vibration a sound that i need to remember and it can exist in the voice it can exist in the objects you know um we're we're, we're having a hard time because there's something in language that's very dominating that we're trying to be able to sit with in our relationships. And it takes a certain technique, like a facilitation to be able to arrive at a non-judgmental, non-reactive, um, it, it's almost non-emotional as, uh, as well. Even though there is an authentic emotion that is really just a consciousness, it's an energetic um, process. Um, we almost need to become inhuman and uh, uh, a larger human. We can't sacrifice our sensitivity, but we also need to desensitize something inside ourselves. So, yeah, I hope this um, helps a little bit. But thank you for asking. It's such a big question, really. So it's, it's intense. Maybe the question of the moment in the world now. Thank you. Hey, uh, it's Italy. I can share a little bit. Um, I think I've been inner dancing this morning with the subject, but Natalie was asking, like, could we generate the energy from inside? So um, 
had a quite strong body day. And then in the morning when I, so in Maya, we have compost toilets, but the, the system now when we don't have guests is we dig these poop holes, <laughs> like we do these trenches and then we mix um, compost and poop and uh, some food waste and stuff. And it's really amazing actually to be to connected to the idea and how microorganisms and the earth is kind of coming alive after we are involved with it. So in the morning I was in the <laughs> poop hole um, doing my meditation and then I realized I, I just went into this like circulation like how how does it make sense to eat and then you poop all out and this is the energy system in our body and I just started <laughs> so trippy to sit there with uh, middle of the nature there's basically no one here so it, it can be a very nice morning experience to connect with the nature but then I was just watching myself like eating and pooping and eating and pooping and 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 I was uh, thinking like this is a very old system in me like or in us or in animals uh, but not all animals are creating energy in that way so I was like oh this is so old and this is actually so somehow boring uh, so when I've had some fasting experiences where the energy starts to generate inside but at the same time I'm when I'm doing a lot of gardening up here and, and I, I do understand and I see the cycle when I eat fruits and then I circulate energy to the nature how it's all connected and kind of useful but then at the same time I went more into the inquiry because I've had quite uh, intense weeks and then I feel like I've been going to this emotional eating and more kind of a western system in myself where where eating is a timetable and I've I've got a lot of uh, energy from coffee and sugar and and bread and snacks I kind of got caught up to that kind of lifestyle for for some weeks now and uh, a few days I've started to feel really weak and then felt I really really need to go back to the natural diet here um so then I was kind of observing like like in myself how useless is to create energy in my body through coffee or getting this energy peaks and now I I three days I've been out of coffee and it, it feels really really good but it's uh, so there, I don't have any answer to that but it felt like it was like a full body feeling that this is pretty useless that we don't figure this out <laughs> in our bodies uh, especially when it comes over consuming the, the nature around us or, or our habits or myself being emotionally attached to, to, to eating and consuming certain things and then I felt I have so much energy, so not not so much energy, but that I should create energy by exercising because I felt a few days my heartbeat has been a bit high or fast and then uh, that I should exercise and, and actually move my body a lot today. Uh, and I started to do some yoga and did some upside down hanging. And what happened is that I fainted first time in my life this morning and I I. Well, I'm assuming I have fainted uh, because I I was by myself here, Pais in town, and then um, in Maya, and then I I just woke up from black black total blackout. I'm not sure. Maybe it was 30 minutes. I 
the funny thing about time now when we are talking about it, I don't feel I lost time because many days when I'm not in a nine to five work life anymore here, but I used to be in Finland, I, I'm lose I'm 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 not losing time, but I don't have that same time concept anymore. The past one and a half years or one year, um when I know like time time is shifting certain way. And now this morning when I was when I, I didn't feel I lost time because um, it was like a total blackout. And what happened was I woke up and my whole body was full of sweat and I wasn't sure what had happened. Uh, and I kind of had collapsed to the floor. And what what came up is more like <clears throat> fear of death or, uh, or, or maybe even fear of some unknown. So I've tuned into this week's theme. <laughs> about body a lot today because uh, a lot of emotions came up I was crying I called to Pai I said I don't know I was lying down the next five hours I said I don't know what what happened in a way but somehow it was very emotional reaction to the idea that I would just suddenly go away from this this reality because I haven't experienced fainting before mm, and uh, trying to kind of catch up in so-called scientific way what happens in fainting and then if I help me to re- I like understand if I hang upside down what happens <laughs> the blood and lungs and heart um, and he said I, I really need body work and then I went into this feeling of being alone here and really kind of I knew our hilot our massage grandmother is not in the village right now so I couldn't call her I, I felt this like um, alone process in myself and how much I actually trust. Like it, it goes back to the basic of my inner dance. That is a trust process. Um, and I was kind of watching the trust and and, and it, it wasn't fear. It was more sadness that came out and a lot of emotions. So I feel there's something happening in the heart space. Uh, and then uh, our team member Merli, who is our, our helping here with things in Maya, she came to bring some sweet sweet potato, and and I just told her what happened. I burst into tears, and she started crying, and she got really scared. What happened? And and she acted maybe in two minutes, and she said that my skin pores doesn't look normal, that we need oil, <laughs> and and she started to heat my body. So she started to massage my hands and feet. And then I also realized that my, my hands and feet were really, really cold. But then my head was burning hot. And she basically massaged my whole body. And through that that thing, what she did, and she was like intuitively exactly. I didn't even know she knows how to massage. or or And it was very f- like fast reaction. I felt she knew right away what to do. And even I didn't have any idea what 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 is it and how come she can see something in my pores in my skin. Uh, so it really helped me to surrender um, and watch what what was happening and and getting care and coming slowly slowly back into my body. Um, but yeah, so then today time has been very weird I fall asleep I try to listen so I catch up with some of the voice messages in in our groups and then I just kind of passed out to a deep sleep today and now I feel actually to maybe put the playlist 
on and, and go a little bit more into inner dancing with all that is happening. But yeah, starting from this poop energy cycle starts to all kinds of, uh, yeah, I, I still don't know how to word it out, but it's been a very interesting day. And everything people are sharing, I'm kind of linking it to what I'm observing in my body without really understanding the whole thing. Also going very much into this, um, my, I call it Western mind or analyzing or, or saying, oh, I have an iron deficiency. Maybe my iron levels are down, maybe this and that reasoning. And then part of me is just saying, just stay in the, in the, Moment, uh, just stay in the presence of the body, what's happening, and watch the fear without actually being scared, what Pai was talking about too. So going through those waves now. But yeah, thank you all. This is helping a lot right now. Thank you for sharing. Hey, so I don't know if you can hear me. Um, but to come back to the this question of what is time, food, language, money, and relationships, objects, mind, and nature, is that what I feel lately is this change in food. Italy, when you say um, this Western mindset of having to eat a certain time because that's what we're supposed to do, coming out of that, but also realizing how much besides the timings, how much emotionally we eat, I eat. And this connection that I made with food that is not just by conditioning, but also by emotionally, and yet also by the love of it. So where do I separate it or is it all one? And then the last few, um, few weeks, I think, yeah, more or less a month it's now, I've been having these strange feelings in my tummy where I just feel nauseous and I'm eating, but I know I'm eating out of conditioning and I'm not really eating because I want to eat most of the time because I don't feel hungry. I don't feel like putting anything in my body and everything that I put in it most of the time, it makes my belly hurt. So it feels like something is shifting and changing. Whereas food doesn't have the same vibration anymore like I used to have with it. And the same is happening for me a bit on the subject of language. I am Dutch, but I'm almost sometimes at times unable to actually talk in Dutch when it comes to expressing myself, what is there. And it's interesting because Dutch is my native language. So why can I express in that? And I'm more able to do so in English most of the time. And then there's this shift that I see when, when I'm giving my sessions where people are going further and deeper into their um, journey where a lot of traumas come up lately really a lot of people are coming back with me with stories about sexual abuse and where you think or where they had this perception that they have done so much work on it already but what is time then because it comes back so vividly in their body 
yet not being attached to it like there used to be, but still it comes back. And the same happens to me. I was lying down uh, some time ago and I remember I cried and then I, I, I came back to this, this mind asking myself, but why do you cry? Nothing is wrong. Everything is fine. And then I stopped and, and then at one point I, I screamed. And it was just as if I was going into this room where, or into this void. And I think somewhere that void scared me. I can tell or I can say with my mind that I know and that it's oh, everything is all right, I'm okay, but there is this fear in there, the fear of the unknown. So it was beautiful and it is beautiful um, that the mind can say one thing, but the experience is a whole different thing. So the separation and this duality in that as well. And at the moment when I'm telling you this, I feel emotional because it's a bit like time. It's unknown because what is time? Or what is reality? And what is this void and duality? And at times I feel, even though I didn't like Italy had this blackout, but I feel that it's slipping away. I have no idea why I was. I have no idea why I am and I have no idea where I'm going. And I know I walk and I know I, I do the things I do, yet I have no idea where I'm arriving to. And it's funny because I always talk about, I'm, I so much talk about during the sessions about grounding and coming back here and doing the work. And then realizing when I look in the mirror that I don't know if I have done the work. So I always tell people that I'm no different than there and I'm still trying to do the work whatever it may be. Because even in that, I don't know what is true. Thank you. Thank you for listening. So beautiful, Florine. Um, and so important. So I have to interject because you're integrating quite a big range of conversations with what you just said. Okay, um, so many things, but where there's apex is what is food? And when we go into that concept and we think of pizza or sushi, a filet mignon, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, chapati, whatever. Um, what if sound was food? What if language is food? And we, we kind of get hungry after sessions, but sometimes it's the opposite. You, you can't eat something not so, 
you can't eat something acidic. You, you need like a, a salad or a smoothie. But oftentimes it's more the opposite. Um, so yeah, like there's a heightened sensitivity that everything has a sound and then you're with people, oh, I like their sound. You know, they're, they're like a song that I can sing with them in a harmonious way, in, in a melodic way. And I, I like the rhythm of this person. Um, it's pitch perfect. And, and you kind of just know it. It's not verbal. The thing that's in the sound of the voice, that's not verbal. So what if we're eating sound and what are the benefits of going into that line of thought? Um, I think what's important from where you're coming from, Florine, is because you're holding space. And actually, I'm feeling a lot around the space you're holding. You're, you're holding a really big space, and it's creating a lot of trust. I feel like people trust you a lot. Because of the tonality of the voice that we just heard you speak from, that's what allows people to go deeper. There's a difference between being one to lay down in the floor and then to be the one who asks people to lay down. There, there's something really pleasurable and scary about it. Um, there's very, it's very honest for one. This is what you're sharing, Florine. You can't be more honest. It will put you in situations of so much honesty that it will destroy you. So you can't be yourself. You have to become them. Otherwise, it doesn't work and it's not worthwhile. You may as well just find something better to do with your, your stuff, you know, your time. Just you go to the mountains, go, go to the beach, go surfing. But wh why do we do it? Why do we do something despite being pleasurable? It's scary. It, it's because it's a greater ego death. So talking about time perception, um, you, you do black out. You do. You, you do go into a black hole. Um, you, it doesn't have to be so extreme, but your mind becomes absent and you just know what you're going to say. You, you kind of know what's going to happen even before it's uh, happening. You, you know it is a potentiality and you almost just go into it as a formality uh, because it's enjoyable, but in a way it's already done. Like you don't really have a choice. Um, you, your, your, your birth vision now is to allow others to find their own birth vision. So it's beyond the personal. This is to help us understand that to receive inner dance in time and space is not the same as to give inner dance. So we keep going back to this Christopher Nolan movie, Inception, which is so um, exact in articulating what is the dream within the dream. Um, it doesn't seem like it, but it's a deeper trance to bring people into the trance. You need to go into an avenue inside your mind that is a greater detachment. It's a greater surrender. You, you know, you, you can't do it through a thinking process. Um, and then a transformation is at work there, but also a greater um, digestion. Like you absorb people's sound a lot more. They become you, you become them. So it's like you're eating them. <laughs> you're eating with them. You're, you're having a meal with them. 
and it will bring up memories um, inside you. It will bring up vulnerability, but it also brings about an invulnerability. What do I mean by this? It's like when people come to you with their so-called trauma, they trust the delta inside you that they know, they know somehow that just by your listening to it, there's a digestion happening, which is what language kind of does. It's always a channeling experience. You're, you're always being spoken through, meaning everyone's using you to disorganize and organize something inside them, just like you're doing it to others in a way. But when you make this energetic commitment to hold space like that, um, you have to go into a dimensionality of your mind that is not common. It's not conventional. It's a dream within a dream setting and we can call it names you can call it the black hole the void but it's a dimensionality and you might call that the fourth the fifth the sixth dimension that kind of goes outside or before or after language um, in transition to kind of ground where um, Natalie's kind of always coming from like how do we put that into institutional or to societal to how do we ground that kind of thing? Well, there's a normalization process of vibration. Um, and these are the things that, you know, like shamans or, you know, people who always had a hard time explaining. So they had to speak through ritual, through, um, through, through magic. What right now is also um, finding its way in society that there are CEOs who are very shamanic and their shamans are becoming CEOs of their own, you know, like a cluster grouping or what have you. So um, there's something about them becoming each other, which is a transition point. And it comes with some level of discomfort and a, a different level of anxiety, but because you have the trust, you have to be aware of the middle path. Like there's a, a mediation between one space and another. So every time a space is opened, you you kind of slip through the, there and you 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 become that with them. And there are many names that could be study processes, like um, what could be, be called a symbolic register, the the dream space where no time exists. Um, there are things in science, in philosophy, and spirituality that's been naming that space. And in inner dance, there is an actual awareness that's grown out of the, the tradition, the tradition that might not have been that long ago, but because of its um, success or ability to have spread out the way it has across the continents. Uh, I have no idea how many inner dances happen every single day or, or hour in the world, but it, it's kind of doing its thing. It's receiving a lot of feedback. It's part of the normalization of this dimensionality that can't just exist outside the body. It can't just be an out-of-the-body experience. It needs to be an in-body experience. And the, the, if there is a kundalini rising, it means there has to be a kundalini dropping as well. That's how kundalini works, um, which is more communal. It, it's not based on this idea of mastery or like, uh, you know, one. So I love what you're sharing, Florine, because the, 
you know, we, we, we think about the word evolution, but there are spiritual models of chakra systems and um, Kundalini that talks more about the involution, like something, ne- something needs to go down as something goes up. Uh, and when we keep talking about the Western or the, the Euro or the modern, you, you guys are frontline having to experience the collapse, the funeral, the letting go. And, and we're living here in the mountains, in, the, in, in nature, and we're, we're seeing more of the opposite, like a, a, an uprising of a voicing or an identity by nature that hasn't really been heard that much. Uh, but I think it's really early and we are going to keep listening to this from the point of view of consciousness, consciousness as an act, uh, a kind of technology emotions is a kind of structuring to that's um finding words and the more you're authentically just putting it out there um it's like language evolving inner dance is a language evolution like a a, a kind of language that's coming from that interdimensional space and and what, what i have to share is that I used to feel like this all the time. Like I, I had to keep going to humility and I was so scared. And every time I would do it, I'm, I'm terrified. But there's something that kind of streamlines or stabilizes that sounds really insensitive, but it's something that doesn't feel um, effects when you know, like people attack or people project people um, issue certain things out you just are not so afraid anymore and people kind of feel that so they allow more fear more authenticity because they know there's nothing to actually be afraid of Um, it's just needing some transition time and it's needing some modes of support some communities some 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 of it you have to start um, right there where it's going to happen where you're going to open the portal so uh it's really magical to hear this and everything else has been really like powerful actually hi everyone this is uh fanny um i wanted to share something that happened in my life lately my uh, my grandma passed away and um, I went through a, a whole process of the cycle of life and death and um, it got me really thinking about how do we live and how what is death and it's something I was already looking into um, because I've lost one of my oldest dog a week prior to that and then I reflect on death and how do we live our life because I was emptying her apartment and into her things and being 
going through everything that she had and she didn't have much but like sorting out her things being like oh was this like what do we want to keep what would what do we want to give and and looking into like actually what was what was she attached to maybe I like gave things away that she had all her life that I I just gave for me it was just a choice a decision to keep something or to leave something and maybe for her it represented something very deep for her or and I didn't know you know like a, a jewelry or something very small that for her meant something and as I as I brought some bags to give away and some boxes to give away to to my sister's car, I looked at the stuff she had and there was like four big kind of plastic bag to give away. And the time kind of stopped in that moment for me because I was looking at the bags and just, I realized that this is kind of how she ended up her life. Like just having a couple of bags that she was going to, that we're going to give away. And then it really got me thinking of what, what do I want to live? Like, how do I want to leave my life? Do I want just to have four, kind of plastic bag that represents my life. And I know it's not the material that I'm only thinking about here. And and the, by the time it stopped, I just had so many different like perspective on life. And it, I don't know, it really got me into a whole cycle for a couple of days after that. and really thinking of like, it's not about it. Life is not about achieving anything for me now. It's really about how do I want to live? And, and it's really coming from the heart space and coming from how do I want to live with other people and how do I want to contribute and, and to to look into this and to look into my my own roots of my family and I found my great grandma's like ring and and it, it really got me closer actually to my grandma to go through her pictures and her stuff that she actually never showed to us and there was a very like lineage and like ancestral um, influence imagine what actually her life was and because she didn't share all of it for with us obviously so yeah this process of living and dying and what is it that we want to fulfill actually why why do we do things how do we fill up our time why do we want to achieve anything you know why do we have goals like who wants that and and what is what can naturally come from the body's wisdom 
what will arise if I, I follow this more and more because it's what I've been tapping into a lot. So um, yeah, there's a very big change in perspective for me on how to address life, how to approach life. And it's, it's quite interesting. Thank you. <clears throat> Thank you. Mm, yeah, I could uh, continue a bit just to fill in this space. Uh, yeah, listening to Fanny. Um, and then coming from inner dance as a collective experience. Um, like, why are we doing it? Like, what's the point? What, what's in there? Um, as we come into the green, within the red, looking at the music, the conversations in the playlists that's gonna be taken up like tomorrow, I think tomorrow, the day after, I'm kind of not in the, um, they, they all bleed into each other, the conversation about the brain, the music, history, persons, a language, money, food, earth, um, have a really weird model of what is the world. I don't want to go into it because it's really weird. But <laughs> um, what could at least box all of it in is, uh, especially in the music, it's, it's like humanity has been striking a chord. Um, it, it, it's like there's this big pot, you can call it the body, but it could be any concept. It could be you, it could be anything else. Um, and, you know, like when you're talking to someone, it's trying to strike a chord. And so all these loose terms that we like to throw in there, like authenticity, honesty, what is real. These words kind of don't really mean anything, but, but they're meaning filled. It's like we're using these words, but then we jumble them up into some kind of word soup or language salad. So it's definitely just what's behind or inside the words, what the words kind of feel into, or which we can call soul or heart, essence, you know, spirit. But it's like all of these have like a vibration and, and sound is just a metaphor, like music is a metaphor for that vibration and and now technologically like music kept evolving to a point where in the digital especially there's a condensation of data because vibration doesn't always seem to be information to people it could feel like emotion you know energy could feel like uh, a feeling but, but energy is information and when you go into the deeper aspects which can happen in the sleep stages or you could get triggered by like, like a death, for example, or some kind of crisis um, that makes you profoundly pensive and it kind of slows things down. Um, there, there's like an unraveling that allows you to contain the uncontainable. And I think this is what we're interested in. We, we want to sustain it within 
uh, an experience. But it's kind of hard. You can't just get attached to always blissing out, you know, going into pleasure seeking because that pushes away pain. And then there's pleasure in the pain that's being hidden. Um, this is why I don't speak in that new agey way whereas even the music that I use isn't always going to seem spiritual. It, it's get, kind of going to trigger because there's something about the mind that's uh, positivism. This for me is the when people talk about the Western or Eurocentric and so on and so forth, th there's something about a, a positivization in the mind that doesn't understand the positivity in the absence or in the negative. Um, negative space is just the space that allows for the conditions of possibility for a concept to exist. So that if I was to bring up a word grandmother or sister or what have you, they, they can't really exist without all the other concepts that um, hold it up for it to be possible. So that's what's called the conditions of possibility. Um, so everything that came before you allows you to be uh now and the here and and without that you're you're nothing and you're everything at the same time so there's something about time that allows that to unfold in a sequence so that you can enjoy it and you can also try to run away from it um, and in the spiritual experience that kind of just explodes that mechanism that technology that allows for the unfoldment of mind through time and space to do what it does that has a name that has a, a facebook account and so on and so forth it just goes into a pure remembrance so if people actually got what they were looking for um if they knew what they were looking for if they got it they they, they wouldn't be able to take it because it's the end of them it's the end of memory it's the end of um th that mechanism that allows it to 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 happen as it does so the human experiment seems to be to level this out so that we could expand just enough um, whilst staying constricted. Like, like a movement towards uh, dimensionality is a transition to uh, an illusion still, um, a, a world that we're still going to be making up, but a world of our choosing, a, a game according to our rules but not from the point of view of just the human mind, but needs to um, resonate with this that's able to receive a lot more feedback than what the individual is normally holding, a lot of which is preferential. It's, you know, it, it likes what it likes and it doesn't like what it doesn't like. So there's something in the sound that's particularly inner dance that allows for unlikely combinations of music whoa <laughs> sorry oh, it's it's beautiful <laughs> um yeah that allows for all of these like anything spontaneous anything that comes up it's all part of the music somehow but the the world is almost designed to keep that from happening it it's it's designed to kind of clean it up to, to keep it neat, to keep it in order. And the, the mechanisms that we're learning now would be about reception or receptivity. Like what would be the physical, mental, emotional, 
um, what would be the conditions, whether it be natural or artificial, that would allow that kind of remembrance, a remembrance of earth as vibration uh, and so on and so forth. So in that way, inner dance could be a, a form. It could be a discipline. It could be regarded as something that we do that allows for the non-doing. You know, that there are certain ways of shutting down the judgment and reactive processes that would allow us to receive the codings, the contexts, the messages that we're not able to receive because we have evolved in a way that's very filtering, very analytical. And um, uh, there, there's a subjectivity there. there. There's a personalization or an identification process that um, needed to make efficient the, the energy consumption and energy conversation process. It needed to go into an energy conservation instead that's according to its own terms, which requires a dimensionality that we have earned over uh, uh, a cosmic evolution, if you will. So our sensitivity to that is very exact because it doesn't actually take that much to blow that mechanism out of the water to make people go into time-space discontinuities that you, you, you actually go to every night when you go into REM dream state. So there's this really heady, but very real question in inner dance. What does it mean to dream awake, to go into wakeful REM, which is a, a mechanism that is so unfamiliar. And we have these pharmaceutical interventions to keep people from going into that. We have these um, psychiatric interventions. You know, We have the prison system to keep people from going to too, too loud and too wild in that because we, we kind of deserve slowness and safety in the transition points. And, and we can try to organize that outside, outside ourselves, but there's a lack or there's an insufficiency of an understanding of how consciousness works through these interdimensionalities that are being worded out. It, it's like spirit needs to, to, to evolve inside the body for it to undergo the stabilization of new frequencies. It, it can't shortcut it. You can't be born like uh, Jesus Christ or like um, Clark Kent. You can't be born an X-Man or an Avenger. You, you almost need to incorporate the darkness within the societal for you to be able to lift it up, not just as an individual, but to, to, to work with these mechanisms that are illusions and are real at the same time because it holds a complexity that isn't just white. It's not new. It's not baby. It's always been like something really, really ancient. So what is special now is that there's a, 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 a moment in the world where a, a kind of collision is at play. Like, like something is crashing into each other now, uh, whether you call it tradition or emergence, the, the East and the West. Uh, even within technology, there's um, what media theorists are calling the orientalizing of the West. And um, there's an occidentalizing of the East that's happening because of money systems, because of uh, people getting exposed to English, for example, more and more. Um, to 
go back to something Florine shared. Let me give you something interesting in terms of the vibration or the sound in language. I was telling Gra about this just yesterday. Um, there's this um, Chinese space holder in Taipei and she really doesn't do English. She can't handle English. She doesn't have it so much. She has a hard time understanding it and producing it. Like she can't really speak it very well. But what she did was she kept doing all of these right-brained processes. And considering Chinese is um, technically one of the most right-brained, if not the most right-brained languages in the world. It's, it's a tonal language. It's a language that you need to sing. It's a logo, logographic. It's, um, it, it, it doesn't work like the alphabetic system that's being used in most parts of the world. Uh, it works as picture um, containers rather than sound containers, which is what the phonetic system does. So what was strange was the more she went into right brain processes through ayahuasca, through inner dance, through all, all sorts of stuff, um, it hit her one day, like bam, something really strange happened. She couldn't think in Chinese anymore. She was thinking only in English. And, and so that was a problematic because her audience base is Chinese. And as she was communicating with the audience, she had to translate the messages from English to Chinese inside her mind so that she could convey these, these things. Otherwise she wouldn't be understood. So when Florian mentions Dutch and you know, you know, like when you talk about Belgium, for example, where Dutch and French kind of interact with each other, um, uh, there, there's a speed in the Flemish or the Dutch, and there's a speed in the Romance languages like the, the French, the Spanish, the Italian, um, that's kind of warm and kind of cold. Um, the confusing thing here is we can't essentialize these things. We can't box them because precisely what's happening through technology and spiritual experience, the, that collision is creating a way in which polarities are becoming each other. So you can't really identify yourself merely as a white person or a brown person because the brown person is now activating the features that's kind of white or, or black and, and vice versa. And we are needing some versions of an appropriate yoga for the 21st century. Like what is a meditation? What is a spiritual modality that befits where we are at now? You know, what is a, a yoga for a social media age, uh, a Netflix age and so on and so forth. Um, inner dance could contend with that in, in a way, not, not so much of something that we do, but almost like a phenomenon that kind of matches something that's already at work somehow. And what's beautiful about it, it's, it's being given in an equal space where no one kind of owns it. As soon as it comes to you, you're, you're supposed to pass it on somehow. Like uh, no one tells anyone what to do. It, 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 the tradition is more of understanding where is it coming from rather than how do we manipulate this, this thing that's actually more manipulating us. Like uh, in the sense that we think we use language, but in a way language is a lot older than us. And so in a way language speaks us. We don't make history, history um, lives through us. It needs 
containment it's need it needs a body to to walk around and, and experience and create and and perceive itself um, through a certain mechanism so the more understanding we arrive at the more we can create safe contexts for this to start holding greater and greater spaces that don't really need to be super as intense or as wild as it might have been. We, we can't be attached to some of the inner dances that we've seen. There has to be a stabilizing force that brings this to the children, to people in addiction, people in emotional turbulence, because there is an outer stillness within inner dance. Uh, that comes about. It's just that sometimes you're only able to arrive at that through a transition phase. And for people to trust that, you you, you are needing context um, because this can't just keep on happening within yoga studios and on yoga mats. This needs to be shared in intelligent ways as well. Sometimes it, it needs to be shared in a way that takes away the intellect. But intellect and intelligence aren't the same thing. Like energy is intelligence. And there's a paradox in inner dance where it will shut off the mind. And it does take a while for the mind to kick, kick on, you know, to kick in, sorry, to kick in once again. And when it does, it won't be the same mind. It won't be operating on familiar territory. You're going to be speaking in a very interesting way and you're going to be moving around in, in a way that's not as affected anymore as what used to trigger you you know th those are common sharings people say and I, I something slowed down um some, something's faster but but something slowed down uh so th that's a key insight like humanity's been striking a chord uh kind of soup is being cooked and we're, we're throwing ingredients in a pot but the mind likes to think of objects. So it's thinking, do I put a carrot or an onion? Do I put a potato there? No, it's vibration. And vibration is historical. It bears historicity. And so the more you get exposed to the many different things that emerged across a planet, you're, you're remembering your vibration as a planet. And, and that brings a lot of wisdom. But how long does it take to really grow like a planet? I mean, it, it did. And because that history does exist, um, it, it doesn't take millions of years. Uh, you don't need to recreate something you've already been through as a consciousness, not as a human subjectivity. So, so what would we be given? You know, what are the tools? And, and this is a nice tool. You know, so that's your art, like um, developing enough trust and context for people to lay down and get exposed to this cacophony, this wall of sound, this concert of earth tonalities to kind of strike a chord um, is what you're doing. So thank you for doing that. Hello. <laughs> um, my battery uh, ran out, so uh, I paused for a while. The thing I was uh, trying to say is like, um, I feel like I'm, I'm in a very strong um, energy changing moment in my life where, um, where yeah, reality changed a little bit, like actually a lot. Um, 
And um, what I feel with uh, inner dance is like um, the I, I cannot open the maps and the, and my phone crashed and um, so I feel that it's like um, for me that the 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 energy of the inner dance first comes to me like I feel those things and. Um, like energy changing in my body, and then, and then after make contact with um, with uh, material, like the more vast, like the information of it. So I'm just feeling what the energy does with me and expanding of my mind and what happens uh, in my body. Mm -hmm. That is it for now. Thank you for listening. It's a good point. Um, what Hiska is referring to. I shared the cosmic carpet because, because, because um, <laughs> there's something about the movement that precedes thought. And uh, the Wiring of the world is the opposite. We think thought influences movement. So when we are thinking of something, we are motivated to make it happen and our bodies follow suit. But um, we've lost the ability to be moved. Um, there's a lot more in that conversation I had with that Malaysian woman that talks about intention or intentionality. Um, that we need to hold an inquiry, like who is the movement? Like what, what is this movement that precedes the thought? How would you begin to experience this other dimensionality of mind that is showing up from the liberation of a repressed movement that isn't coming from the usual place that's trying too hard to move the world, which isn't being moved by it, which is how we describe the emotional, like in a way. Um, developing a science is both a challenge yet also something quite natural. Um, the questions that will come up, that will arise is, part of the energy itself. Um, you will know it once you develop the conditions where a, a thinking process that uh, is very synonymous with the non-thinking process comes up. Uh, and the irony there is it needs a lot of chaos in the world right now in order to arrive at some sort of order. We have to disorganize what's been organized in order to reach even the basic reorganizing that doesn't really fall away from, uh, in, in Western philosophy, it's called the categorical imperative. It's like the, the deepest purposiveness of anything that came to exist uh, would hold inside. Like, what, what's your purpose? Like, why are you here? Why are you taking up space? What, why is anything happening any single day? Um, people, trust it like when this movement comes they don't know what it is but they, they 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 they're ready to give up quite a few things uh that they were attached 
to once that movement comes up, I've, I've seen it again and again and again. Um, so this is something you will have to contextualize because that's the ontology of inner dance into itself to allow for a sense that this is a being, that such a thing can exist. Um, in the beginning, it would be quite basic, you know, like simple. It's, uh, it's, it's something that exists everywhere. But then if you're gonna generalize it in that way, what's the point in bringing about a focus enough for you to even be in this call right now? Um, th this thing is like a baby still. It, it, a, a baby isn't like a baby baby, a baby is a universe, but a baby has to undergo the growth process. Just like you, when you were a baby, you were a universe that wanted to be nurtured as a universe, but you weren't going to get um, that kind of su cosmic support just yet. And maybe you need to kind of baby yourself <laughs> and go into a selfish stage of uh, nurturing the forgotten frequencies somehow. Um, so uh, you, you, you almost need to take some notes that help you to map out uh, a way of prioritizing certain uh, points of origins. Like um, before you can arrive at the layers, the complex layerings of consciousness, which is somehow being mirrored in inner dance, you, you need starting points for you to arrive at the splitting into the particularities, you know, the parts of the whole. In a way, you kind of have to go back and forth in, in circles around certain things. So you, it can't get old. When you keep asking what is time, what is memory, what is movement, what is the body, what is consciousness, what is earth, um, you almost are afraid to ask them because these are the things a child might ask. But for a ch an adult mind that's become childlike, a philosopher is kind of born out of you. And a philosopher in our minds is basically someone who just asks these questions because they were able to free themselves up from the red chakra issues that kind of hounds us, the mortgage payments, the obligations, the the you know the, the 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 stuff that's scary, and and unless we're able to create a way of containing a, a a liberation of time as a set of lines, you know, like intersecting web of lines, rather than being linear, it wants to explode into this non-linear um, model that that is more of what it is. Unless you're able to do that, um, th there's there's no return. There's no leaving that story pattern, that narrativization that's kind of old. We've, we've been living that storytelling for a long time. And I think we're really kind of bored at the dimensionality. Um, we're more interested in these things like cyclical time, the Ouroboros, the, the causal loop, um, where... You, you know you've been here again and again, and you kind of want to start acting from that wisdom rather than stumbling around. But somehow the mechanism that we're being given, if it's not going to be shortcutted, 
it 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 gives you enough of an air of mystery uh to to launch yourself into the unknown and and it's like you're only allowed like 1% of 1% as a mental affirmation but in the emotional and energetic you're allowed like a lot more you know to arrive at even 1% of 1% sometimes feels like a thousand percent in a way how you might be able to stabilize that is somehow up to us and up to you uh, on a day-to-day basis and when you deal with the literacy of energy um, there's something very very simple about it that's also kind of complicated the complexity is inbuilt so when people keep saying trust trust isn't just like a, an emotion it, it's like a mechanism of, of this mind that's not your personal mind it, it's it's like it resonates with something that's there that has been there that will always be there that is beyond death beyond limitations beyond boundaries um so like even now as we use a lot of these words we kind of know what we're talking about and a lot of things are getting triggered are synthesizing and so on and so forth but it leaves you more not knowing anything this is what's dangerous about the tradition of epistemology which does need to happen with an energy because the more you start realizing about knowing the more you realize you don't know anything but at least as a starting point it provides a gentle um multi-stage framework upon which knowledge systems could emerge it, it's like the more you listen to these um in these conversations we're talking about the same thing all the time but it now starts to go into layerings and parts and which is why we're going into color per color um we're, we're going into dimension per dimension even though in each dimension you're going to see the whole rainbow you're training your mind to start holding parts and totalities together in a simultaneity where our schooling systems our language systems our, our societal systems were conditioned only to go into the parts into reductive uh deterministic materialistic divisive separative um elements of the mind we forgot uh tota- totalization and what's going to be intense in the redrawing of what we understand the body to be the actual old notions of the body are really base it's really dark it 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 has to do with repression that it's evil it's it's material but the new redefinition of the body is actually the body is the gestalt the body holds ancient awareness and when you build a new relationship with the body in this way you heal what's called the mind body problem a split within western philosophy in the continental tradition uh that began with descartes that frenchman said uh cogito ergo sum <laughs> i think therefore i am where he relegated the dominance of the thinking process over the being process you're kind of reversing that that's the time space discontinuity that you're creating the the ontology or the being state is like i am like i exist i'm here don't neglect me and then the i think can come from that the the knowing the knowledge systems epistemology comes after the ontology the you know like um if you don't have a being process if if you were not noticed so much if you weren't heard if you weren't seen as a child 
um, you, you, you couldn't have accessed an authentic wisdom, which is why people go into the fetal pose, they go into their heart space because they're healing their ontological absence. They, they want to exist. They want to be seen as something valuable in a way. And then there will be the stage of coming into the mind. And, and so this tradition that we're coming into, that ontology is coming into the body as a point of origin. Like the body somehow is not the body as we knew it. it it's the universe somehow. Like how, how the heck are you containing a universe inside your body? Well, talk to it. Well, well how, how do you speak to it? Well, treat it like it was a vibration, you know, like converse with it like it was an energy. But how? Uh, exactly like what we're, we're being granted here. It's a sound. It's, it's, it's the history of the earth. And uh, music has a history. And, and, you know, language has a history. So speaking about time, you're going to be launched back. And you just need enough safe context for you to agree to it. And it might happen while you're sleeping, might happen in the conversations, the next movie you watch, you're holding your baby. You're, you're going to channel this more and more because the planet is receiving these feedbacks more and more. Considering the fact that up until the, 18, the 1700s, the European understanding of time is that Earth is 6,000, 7,000 years old. Not humanity, but the whole Earth was created by God. 7,000 years ago, 6,000 years ago. Now, when a theory of evolution came that started to stretch out our understanding of time to maybe 10,000 years ago, or oh, are we 50,000? Right now, we're at 4.8 billion years as a planet. The universe is slightly older than that because they all kind of big bang together from a singular point of origin because that understanding of time is only 300 to 400 years old the human construct is having a difficult transition period to experiencing what it already knows through science, that it's known through some modes of um, spirituality that understood this much bigger <laughs> conceptualization of time. So our schooling systems aren't um, ad adapting to this new time construct, nor is medicine, nor is the money system, and nor is language. And it was only a matter of time before electricity would come into the picture. So when you're using these cell phones, these laptops, these are channels of electricity where before that we were moving at the speed of sound. When we innovated our usage of oil, when we created an ability to harness electricity, we're now moving at the speed of light. We're now communicating to each other at the speed of light. And the feedback mechanisms that will come from that will be intense. It will be extreme. So what we're being asked right now would be um, a building of safe systems, quiet systems for those who are ready for that transition. And to be honest, it will be the people who are unstable and living in chaos who will be able to let go because a lot of the people who are really happy in their moment in time still, um, they will be resisting it. But at the time of COVID, when the, the question marks are going to be enlarged more and more, the Donald Trumps, the this and that, blah, 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 um, the, the feedback mechanisms of cosmic time, um, that's called big time, by the way, 
and uh, deep time, which is another understanding of prehistory. Uh, there's a melting into each other. We're, we're not living on human time scales anymore through these emergences of geological earth sciences that's talking about the Anthropocene. You know, it's like the, the human ego is being destroyed. The human narcissism has been under attack since 300 years ago, where maybe a millennium or two millenniums ago, we believed that the earth was the center of the universe. That's how, our big, how, how big our ego was. But now that we're not working from a geocentrism or a heliocentrism, we're working on a model more called an omnicentrism, where the sciences are describing a universe where everything is the middle, everything is the heart, everything is the center, including you. <laughs> but if that is true, everyone else is the middle, everyone else is the heart. How would you create a reality that's based on that cosmology? which is not reflecting in our social systems. So um, we almost need to prioritize something um, very pure. That means you, we can't um, box in something like inner dance too quickly because there has to be at least some modalities that's freed up like this. And in a way for me, I understand the Philippines, my, my culture as being really heart-based and non form based you know it's very feminine it doesn't have culture in the same way other other nations bear identity our very identity is change and flow uh which belongs to the tropics and this part of the earth where you can just really kind of just let go um we're being reminded of um like like, like the, what i often think is if you really ask for uh, an image from God or goddess, like, can you show me what I look like? Technically, you look like a waterfall. <laughs> that's your image. That, that's your culture. That, that's your true identity. You just like the, people like what to post in their, their Facebook account because it allows them to deal with the fear of death. The very innovation of image, which is one, only one aspect of language, uh, is um, traditionally in consciousness what we have been using to circumvent our fear of death. When you deal with sound, when we live at a time of our evolution when acoustic properties or sound properties were more dominant, sound dies even as it's being sung. Whereas image stays there, it doesn't die. It's, it's called image permanence, whereas sound is temporal. So when you rebalance people's technologies, exposing them to acoustic properties through these things called music or the playlist, you're activating the right brain, which is more able to deal with the fear of death. Whereas the innovation, in fact, of the language centers that exist in the masculine, Western, modern left brain that is very sequential thinking, it's trying to um, veers away from death, whereas in the right brain, you, you instantly die in the realms of sound itself. So uh, that's the painful part. Like we, We're narcissistic. We, we are too obsessed with not just our self-image of us, but how we want other people to see us. And that's why the selfie stick will be one of the most uh, used tools in the, the coming of age of the world because people don't have an identity 
Can you see the irony there? It's like you're here to allow people to gain an identity even as they're being asked by climate change and uh, world tra transitions to, to let go of it, that your true identity is spirit and um, the planet that you live on. How would you resonate so that you can be both at the same time? You, you can't just transition into that conceptually. The, the changes need to happen inside your body. You, you cannot simply think your way through it. There has to be a biological, a geological, a neurological, a cardiovascular, a respiratory, a digestive, a urinary transition to becoming a human containment that embodies what it is. You, you can't think it. You have to go through a transformation, which is a ridiculous thought considering how long did it take to create a you, considering the conditions of possibility of all that existed before you. But all the ingredients are there. This is the gift, I think, in the chaos, in what some people might regard noise, there's a, a, a musicality if it's not music that's also the nervous system. Don't you just love that word? The anxious system, the scaredy cat system, the nervous system that's not so nervous anymore. Um, and, and so because that's the most spiritual of your body, the, the part of your body that harnesses light is the nervous system. Um, you know, when you, when you get sick, a lot of the interventions are normally chemical it's mechanical, it's muscular, it's anatomical. But if you want to reorganize your body, if you find a way to start with the neurological fundamentals, changes in your brain will lead to changes in your organ, changes in your blood flow, changing in your respiratory rate, and so on and so forth. Um, one kind of follows the other. So the question is, um, what precedes what? And if movement precedes thought, uh, light precedes your, your chemistries. Um, so, so kind of congratulations to you for finding certain um, pathways or journey processes that's able to embody, talking about the body, that's able to, to, to collapse so much in infinite into like a, a safe, contained way. Uh, so it's kind of overwhelming to get exposed that inner dance actually kind of holds these conversations. Uh, coming to you is a very intense genius and brilliance that you knew was there in your early um, moments in this earth. But because you didn't really receive a conversation that could have supported where you were, those questions that you, you, you had back then still exist now. Like, what is time? Like, what am I doing here? Why do they keep calling me this name? You know, where did I just come from? Like, <laughs> how did I get here? You know, where, where am I going? The child was asking those. It's just that they couldn't put it into words. But the questions were even more so real because it wasn't experiencing it in a limited way. It, it had the answers before the questions because it had just come from source. There was a remembrance there. But, but, the mechanism really exists that we have to forget so that we could remember because we enjoy that kind of thing. We would be bored if we were born perfect. And uh, the, the body is a kind of game. There, there's something competition-based about it that needs to actually realize that the more it loses sometimes, that's the moment it wins. 
and and all these mechanisms in the world is making people compete to become winners. The 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 very mechanisms of inner dance where you lay down, you close your eyes, you shut down your mind, you allow people to touch you in strange ways, um, to 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 get pushed by the music, to get triggered in a way that's scary but um, allows you to um, let go of your fear. Um, these are very exact mechanisms. They're not random. They, they were well designed by our very experiences of closing ourselves up. That if you think of what are all of the combinations of things that would open me up, like uh, in terms of um, sight, uh, body position, which is called proprioception, kinesthesia, um, you know, acoustic properties, ba balance, and so on and so forth. Bring it all together into some sort of concert. The inner dance kind of is holding that, not in a way that would ever limit a person because you, you're kind of free to imagine every possibility that would create that journey process. It could last for an hour or a day or three hours. H how would you design an exploration of time and space? Um, that will be appropriate to the place in the world according to what climate is there, what is the economic demographic that's there, what is the language that people speak that is there that would allow them to remember the other parts of the world that they're now accessing through the internet but have to be accessed from the level of the DNA. So, yeah, I think um, let's maybe call it a day. Um, do you have any last insights for now? Uh, and hoping some of these things that I'm sharing allows you to explore some of the website material, which is kind of dense without a mapping of the sort. <sighs> good, all good. <laughs> okay, thank you everyone. Maybe you can unmute your buttons and so you can hear each other. Thank you, Pai. Thank you, everyone. Yeah. Thank and, you, Pai. Uh, thank you. So much yeah. Thank you. <laughs> keep thank sharing you. as well. Uh, if there are Bye. insights that come up, just keep sharing it in the WhatsApp group. Okay. Hoping you're well. Bye. 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 Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.